0: Hey, Rockheads, this is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Here to tell you that the folks who make the amazing NDC conference in Oslo, London, and Sydney are coming to America. That's right. The first annual NDC
1: Minnesota is May 7th to 10th at the St. Paul River Center in Minnesota.
0: What does the N stand for now? Not in Europe. That's right. Or anywhere, not anywhere else but America. Right now, you can get super early bird pricing, only 600 bucks for the conference itself. But the Super Early Bird ends on December
1: 17th. So go to ndcminnesota.com today and register.
0: And tell them Carl and Richard sent you. Hey, Carl here to say that Music to Code By is now an app called Music to Flow By. Now you can listen to the tracks on your phone with offline capability. The first three tracks are free and the entire catalog is available by subscription with a new track arriving every month. Just go to to musictoflowby.com for all the links. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Still at Connect in New York City. And Lori Lampkin is here. We're going to be talking some DevOps. And it's going to be going to be a good show. I can feel it. I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But before we talk to Lori, we have this little matter of better know a framework. OK. Roll the crazy music.
2: <laughs> All
0: right, dude. What do you got? Brian McKay, one of my AppFinex guys, mm-hmm. found this. And said, hey, have you seen this? And this is how I find a lot of my things. I just go <laughs> into the Slack board every once in a while and see what these guys are juicing on. This is Scrooter. Scrooter. S-C-R-U-T-O-R. And it's assembly scanning and decoration extensions from Microsoft.extensions.dependency injection. Interesting. Yeah. So basically, instead of manually adding all your dependencies, which is kind of a loser thing to do. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Uh, this will go out and scan for them and put them in. So there, it adds two extension methods to iService Collection, Scan, the entry point to set up your assembly scanning, and then decorate, which is used to decorate already registered services. Nice. It's just a little, hey, I'm here thing. And then you do it automatically rather than having to type them out, type them out, them all out put it all in. Yeah. And uh, it's out there. It's on GitHub. Know it, learn it, love it. Yeah, good find, actually. Yeah, you thanks, know, it's not really framework, but... Part of our framework. Yeah, you know, part of our way of building part software. Part of our way of building software, and it just makes things easier. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Richard, who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off
1: the of show, 1490, the show we did with Kevin and Eric at Orlando in at the Ignite conference, mm-hmm. talking about SQL Server DevOps, a very challenging subject all by itself. Got a few comments on the show. One of them's from Simon Foster, who says, I'm a web developer in a data team, and this is just the kind of show my team needs to hear. Play yeah. it for them all, my friend. Play <laughs> it for them all. Since I started my role, I've been banging on about the advantages of getting databases under more source control. Yeah. Schema under source control is the way to go right for the most part we've achieved this however our biggest challenge is one of education for web developers like me source control is an essential tool but for SQL developers it is a totally new experience and it'll take some time before it is a reflex Interesting. I completely agree and it's it's actually permeating IT as a whole. I'm starting to see PowerShell scripts checked into source control as well. Yeah. So that they're manageable, maintainable. The big question always is, if somebody else has to use this,
0: will they be able to? If they need to make a change to it, will you know? What do DBAs do now to control versions of databases? I mean, you know, you're in that world. I, absolutely. Well, you have a cross And a white robe and you do a lot of prayer. No, it's, it's really no tools to help with that. Literally been armed
1: defense. Well, you know, the red gate folks, lots of people make some tools, but the discipline around maintaining schema is, uh, it's pretty erratic. It's Hmm. very challenging. You maintain backups of older databases for that reason. Right. Yeah. So you can extract schema from it, but a backup's massive. Right. So the idea that schema is source code, I think that's a struggle for some
0: yeah. DBAs. They're but just... once they get used to how awesome it is to and how go much back. better your life is. Yeah. Well, and also it's a very DevOps concept
1: of mm. one source of the truth. That version four of this product yeah. represents these chunks of code, these assemblies, right? This deployment strategy, this pipeline, mm. and this set of schema. Yeah. Around the data yeah. It's all part of the equation So Simon, thank you so much for your comment A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug Write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com Or via any of our social media Because we publish every show to Facebook and Google Plus And if you comment
0: there and we read it on the show We'll send you a mug And definitely follow us on Twitter He's at Rich Campbell, I'm at Carl Franklin Send us a tweet We schematize them <laughs> We scrutinize them scrutinize And then we give them dependency attention <laughs> All right. Let's introduce our esteemed guest today, Lori Lamkin. She's director and PM of Visual Studio Team Services. Wow. Okay. That's that's quite a title. Hi,
2: thank you for having me here yeah. today. Welcome, glad Great. to have you on board. Very yeah. glad to have you here. I've lost my voice at Connect. So that's, Oh that's to yeah. be
1: given. I mean, you are literally just going conversation to conversation, right. conversation for yeah. two days now. Yes, that's so right. You're almost done.
2: Yeah, it's super fun, a lot really energizing, but the strain is showing on my voice yeah, today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, and it, and I appreciate, I mean, you're out of Redmond, so it must be good to, you're meeting customers, like you're talking to folks that are using your product.
2: That's right. We get lots of people coming into Redmond as well, and mm-hmm. we like to get out at all these events and user groups and on the meetups and all kinds of mm-hmm. things to hear what people have to say, what they're struggling with, and how we can help.
1: Some of the conversations we've had this week yeah. have really been about how Microsoft eats their own dog food. Yeah. Like your conversation we had with Brian Harry, we were yeah. just talking about, moving all products, even Windows and Office are living in team services now. That's and right. And using Git as their source repository, That's which right. I find extraordinary. I mean, there's an argument that Windows is now the largest source repository in the world, something like 300 gigabytes.
2: It is. It is the largest in the world. And that didn't happen overnight yeah, for us to do that. I mean, and and I think when uh, Microsoft decided that standardizing on a single DevOps tool chain mm-hmm. is in the best interests of moving faster as a company and also just making sure that we kind of have a handle on all the chaos. We're trying to ship all the time now.
1: Mm. Well, you guys have hundreds of products. So really yeah. one chain?
2: That's right. Well, you know, I there's lots of flexibility within okay. the way. Like as VSTS, you can create your own processes, whether you're using that process mm-hmm. templates for planning or anything like that, build templates, all these things are things you can either standardize as an organization or as a team, or even as a small feature team. Sure. Yeah. In fact, in VSTS, we have a set of reports that we run. By but really I've got teams that use Scrum and teams that use Kanban. Mm-hmm, and right. I feel like, you know, and some teams that don't do anything and, and I, I'm no no worse for the wear <laughs> of not knowing <laughs> about it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they have that freedom as long as they can kind of roll up, mm. do the deployments as part of ESTS, do the planning activities as part of what we do and communicate and be transparent. There is the ability to be flexible.
1: Yeah, so there's some choices there. You know, we saw, I saw Donovan Brown on stage, at the yes. keynote at, uh, and he actually talked about about the VSTS team using VSTS to ship VSTS.
0: That's right. Very recursive. When did that start happening, by the way?
2: Well, we've always used TFS, you know, as part of what we do. And then we started creating the service and it was in preview for some time and we wanted to be the first customers of that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that had to have been in somewhere around 2010 that we moved ourselves over to our cloud service and started using it ourselves.
1: You've been involved with this product since its inception.
2: Like, yeah, I I was it, right. what was the
0: code name? White Horse?
2: No. no? It was called Burton was Burnt the name was of the code name. That's yeah. Burton. Yeah.
0: I was trying to remember that the other yeah, day. Yeah, we right? were talking about it
1: the other day and I sa- I think I said White Horse and you're like that's not right. Yeah. 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 That, that was
2: those were some architectural tools that were part Oh right. part of it is but 2005,
1: 2006. Well, I name? I remember Four. this
2: because I have twin boys. Oh, okay. And I was on maternity leave and when I came back in 2000 Early 2003, that's, I started working on the project. Um, So, yeah. So, we released in 2005, but that's it was just getting started. It's just
1: a couple couple of years ago, yeah. yeah. And I I think we were talking about this before we even started recording. It's like the transformation of that product, Mm -hmm. which was very much an in the office, everybody's in the same room, kind of. You check out a file, that file's checked out. Yes. You know, your sort of classical source control Mm. to today where the back end is git Mm -hmm. and you know you're really distributed and even the vsts team itself is split between north carolina and redmond
2: and idc in india we have a team in india i'd say it's about a third a third third wow and then we allow people to work from whatever location i have a person on my team in the netherlands who just like yeah
1: it's stunning to me to think about the transformation that the product had to undergo, mm-hmm. and, the, and this is sort of the modern way that people work now.
2: That's right. A lot of people are starting to embrace DevOps because they know customers expect more and they mm-hmm. expect it more frequently and mm. they can't keep up with their competitors or the business needs more. And so DevOps is the promise here and so we better jump in.
1: Are we getting past of competitive advantage into just requirement for I business? I think it's a
2: requirement for business. That's
1: really interesting. It's just yeah, a process and automation really. I mean, yeah. that's
0: what it yeah. yeah, what
2: are we
1: going to call DevOps? Software development.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it totally it is. is. And, and yeah. you know, the, the same kind of approach to automation and just management and that kind of stuff is taking hold in things other than software. So, in that whole idea of automation and process and tools and people culture is sort of Not just in the software business, but it's everywhere now.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, Kanban was invented in Japan, you know, for the car.
1: And that was an American named Deming, who was shipped over there by Douglas MacArthur, having implemented it for for America in World War II. Mm. That's why it made so many bombers and things. (laughs) But then they exported the whole thing to Japan because (laughs) MacArthur was going to rebuild Japan with it. And now you're re-importing it back from Japan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Drunk History
1: with Richard Campbell. No,
0: not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Nope, we're just drinking water. It's <laughs> caffeinated history. Yeah, it's caffeinated. caffeinated
1: history. I just, I find that stuff fascinating. It is right? cool. And we've, we've gone around this full circle. And you're right, it did come from the factory sign. Yeah. And there's an aspect of it. And it's interesting to think about how this gets implemented. You know, one of the aspects in the Toyota method is this thing called the Anand cord, or they basically stop everything cord. Right. That every employee has the right to pull when they see something damaging to business value. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And they also have an incentive to not cry wolf. Right. Which is awesome. We are stopping the line. Right. So, you know, it better be it's worth, worth it. Well,
2: there's a parallel there when I think about DevOps and I say people, asked me kind of what are the keys to devops mm-hmm. you know what are the what are the two things or one thing i need to do and i say there's two you know one is to change the schedule you know cuz if you want to ship less than 2 years you need to change the schedule And that's kind of The heartbeat Of how your team works right. And operates And when you change That rhythm Then people have to change It inspires change In other ways Makes them as think well.
1: Forces them to think differently That's right. right
2: And the other one Is end-to-end accountability On the engineer Interesting So to your point Of being able to pull the cord It's a little different In terms of In DevOps There's not like A production line necessarily to pull the cord But if I put code In production And it's not of quality right. And it's not meeting Customer needs I get to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Not some other ops team. Mm-hmm.
1: Nobody's going to find it for you. That's right. You're the one that's going to land. I'm the yeah. one who has
2: to wake up at 2 in the morning. Sure. And so That's I'm, an old
1: Adrian Cockcroft line. When, yeah. we started oh, all, it? when we started waking up the devs at 3 a.m., we had a lot fewer bugs at 3 a.m. All <laughs> of a sudden. That's right. And if they're not
2: accountable for code in production, they're not incented. Sure. And a lot of things start changing when they are accountable. Because if I'm accountable for testing, I'm not waiting on another team. Why aren't they doing their tests. What's yeah. wrong with those people? Right. Why are they going so slow? Yeah. It's that's like, you. no, I, it's me. Oh, well, I better get it done. I think it was
1: Brian, Harry earlier that mentioned this idea of you write code differently when you're responsible for the testing of that. Yeah, that's right. Well. Yeah. That you now you start considering writing a feature that's more testable. And maybe spending and sort of balance between the time you put into the production code and the time you put into the testing of that production. Yeah,
0: especially if you've experienced it coming back to bite you and Mm -hmm. then having to do more work.
2: That's right. And yeah. and also our devs and our testers weren't even able to share tests between them. Like right. They had to use different tools and all that. Mm-hmm. Just a yeah. bunch of waste in the whole system went away when all of a sudden one one person's accountable for all right. of it. Yeah.
1: So you own a feature from top to bottom. You mm-hmm. work on the requirements with the overall strategy, mm-hmm. define it out, you build it, you test it, you deploy it, you fix all the bugs that it's related to.
2: That's right. I mean, I think the program management team essentially is the team that I run, and that discipline is responsible for the strategy, the backlog, and the design. Mm-hmm. So, product owners, but also the technical design of the product. And the devs, they, they are responsible, or engineers, you know, we call them, we slip back into calling them devs a lot. Those are responsible for the, for the quality, how it's built, you right. know, like making sure it's good architecture, it's secure, and okay. it runs performant and all of that.
1: What happens to your QA people?
2: Well, that was a really hard transition. A lot of people <laughs> ask me about that. Sure. What we did is we eliminated the QA discipline from our teams. And so we merged dev and QA at the time. Right. And that was a tough transition because we had devs who really didn't want to make that transition. Oh, I really I don't want to write tests.
0: It's really because the developers would just chuck it over the wall without exactly. testing anything. And yes. there was a lot of back and forth and wasted time with That's right. testers getting mad at them and
2: that's right. And that's yeah. why that inspired the change. And also testers were testing things I wrote months ago. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even remember it. I mean, sure. think about that. Yeah, like yeah. If you're testing it the same day, I just introduced that bug. I'm yeah. I familiar with the code.
0: Yeah. I remember being on a team like that. And you're right. I mean, especially if it was low priority. If it was low priority, you might have written it two months ago by the time you get around to it. It just keeps getting later and later and that's later. Right.
2: And then you yeah. have the context switch to reorient yourself, and mm-hmm. it just takes forever.
1: Well, it's sort of an argument that it doesn't matter who you give it back to at this point. If it's two months later, you don't remember. It's no, not nobody in your head. does. Yeah,
2: that's so right. So that's gone. right. Mm-hmm. So, merging the disciplines helped so that the single person could make sure that there were tests that were being done. And it was really hard at first.
1: Does that mean fewer QA people? Like, are they, did they become developers? Where did they go? They became
2: go? developers. Mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. people left the company, right? some by their own choosing, some not, mm-hmm. you know, because there was a skill that was needed. And I, like I said, both... Dev and test had to make changes and say sure. Devs had to say, I need to work differently Do I want to work differently? Is this what I want to do? Yeah. Testers had to say Alright, I'm writing production code now I need to make sure I have those skills as well yeah.
0: So less functional tests and more Unit tests, but the functional tests, I love the Idea of rings that you guys have with Starts with the team and then it grows out And out and out until yes. you finally get to the Customer.
2: That's right. I think what we Learned as part of our transformation ourselves Was that you can be accountable You can have this short schedule and all that, but no feature fits in a given sprint. Mm-hmm. And so we need a way to control exposure so that developers continue to commit code into master, you know, don't hide it off in their own thing yeah. and then continue to deploy.
1: But yeah. running with feature flags off? Yes, that's right. right.
2: So feature flags is one way in the rings, mm-hmm. like you were saying, that's the other key way.
1: Right. So you limit the deployment itself. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Of course, all software is tested on customers eventually. The question mm-hmm. is how mm-hmm. much you're gonna surprise the customer along the way. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's certain classes of tests that still take A sort of testing person, you know, somebody who actually walks the UI or, you know, builds that kind of test.
2: Yeah. So we have, when we started this journey, we had a lot of those sort of tests. Right. That was actually the bulk of our test portfolio Mm -hmm. was that. And, you know, first we got through all this schedule and automation and accountability changes, and it became very clear that these tests were long running. And they were failing a lot because they covered such a large surface area. So, the chances of it failing are much higher. And so, we decided to change our test portfolio to be like, we need a gazillion unit tests Mm. that can run super fast Mm. on every single pull request. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we run 60,000 unit tests in like five minutes. And that's reasonable. And they aren't failing because they're small. Yeah. And if they do, it's probably my change. Right. And so we have a very relevant. That's right. And so we want, you know, the testing needs to have a really low signal to noise ratio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. know, if I see something red, it's got to actually be,
1: you don't want to ignore it and you don't want the right reflex to be to ignore it too. That's right. Like when you get into those brittle tests, it's like, don't worry. Those will get fixed later. Like the test is broken, not the code. That's right. As soon as you get uh-huh. that mindset, you're in, you're in big trouble.
2: Yeah. So these long running, big end to end tests. Mm-hmm. We eliminated a whole ton of those mm. in favor of this and also in favor of testing in production. Right. So when I think about our portfolio of 60,000 unit tests and what, 60 of these other tests mm. now, it's enormously That's different.
0: Hugely different. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you test problem? for state problems, you know, like uh, memory leaks and things like that that have to, that don't, may only crop up after the thing's been running for a few weeks or that kind of thing? I talked to Brian Harry about this, you know, this typical bug that we would not find with testing, even with real live testers was, you know, somebody goes through a process and then let's say it's 15 steps and you know, they back up to step seven and continue on from there. And then you know, yeah. everything's kind of screwed up at that point because they didn't fall. So you almost have to have ESP in terms of what you think your users are going to do and how stupid they're going to be. <laughs>
2: or you can just do some... Exposure control And have your users Use it So the first
1: people Who find that problem Work for the company
2: Yeah that's right And also A rich set of telemetry
0: Right So you can tell What people are doing
2: And you get You know The logs And the errors And stuff like that
0: But it means The people who are Testing it first Need to be real users Not people who are Just exercising the software For the academic sake Of it or whatever That's
2: right I mean we we do Have some of that You know Some of that testing But I do think When you run a cloud service And we have the luxury Of of controlling exposure and mm. and saying okay it's just me it's just my yep. feature team now yeah. it's just okay now it's like all of my mvps yep. you know yep. and then okay now it's like early adopters beyond that And yeah
1: no uh, it seems very feasible very reasonable actually laurie give us one moment here to pay the bills
0: hey rockheads this is carl have you tried JetBrains rider It's a new cross-platform .NET IDE that's light yet powerful and comes from the makers of ReSharper, IntelliJ, IDEA, and WebStorm. You can write .NET code on Windows, Mac, or Linux. Rider has you covered. Rider helps you develop ASP.NET, .NET Core, .NET Framework, Xamarin, and Unity applications. Most languages used in .NET development are supported from C Sharp, VBNet, F Sharp, and XAML, to ASP.NET Razor Syntax, JavaScript, TypeScript, and all that other front-end stuff. It comes with navigation, thousands of code inspections, refactorings, unit testing, debugging, rich coding assistance, and more advanced IDE features powered by proven technology from ReSharper and WebStorm. Download Rider now and take it for a 30-day trial at rider.com dotnetrocks.com. That's R-I-D-E-R dot D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S dot com.
1: And we're back at Connect talking to Lori Lambkin about implementing DevOps inside of Microsoft, which is pretty darn cool. And, you know, we've dug a lot into the restructuring of the team, you know, the this, this shift of the integration of QA and Dev together. but you also talked about changing the schedule, sort of changing the heartbeat. What does that look like?
2: Well, it's interesting because we started with a two-year product release cycle. Hopefully, right? And it's um, a
1: long time. It is. It mm-hmm. seems
2: crazy now, even to think back on that. How yeah. did people ever find that acceptable? And you know, I don't think they did, because I remember we would ship a beta a year and a half into it, and I'd get some feedback, and I'd be like, "Oh, we're busy. We'll get it in the next release."
1: Right, and that's two uh, years. Two years from later, now. yeah, yeah right. Oh
2: no, that's very not very customer focused. No. So we we felt, you know, impelled. to... <laughs> do this. And so what we did is we decided on three-week sprints and we just said, okay, we're going to have a whole bunch of them. But we'd never done it before, and and so we said, maybe we'll insert a little stabilization period just for safety sake, you know? Yeah. And so, everybody was supposed to be done, done, every sprint. You know, that means write your tests and, you know, fix the bugs and Mm. all that kind of stuff. And some teams did exactly that, and some teams were like, I got the stabilization period. It'll be fine. Mm. I want more features to go to customers, so I'm going to cram a bunch of features in, just like I used to in the two-year product cycle, and I'll fix them in stabilization. Well, what... we ended up having to do was the teams that were in a good state had to load balance and help out the teams that weren't that were
1: overloading. Which and, was, yeah.
2: I mean, just think about that mm-hmm. for a second. Like that was like a mob riot on, you know, like <laughs> that's yeah. so wrong. Like I did a good job and I'm getting punished, punished for that, and we're those scrambling. guys didn't do what they were supposed yeah. to. So. <laughs> In that we learned very quickly That what we needed to do Was eliminate the stabilization period It
1: is necessary And just
2: it, it is not changing the schedule If mm-hmm. we don't eliminate that mm-hmm. And it was scary It was like jumping over a cliff Because we were afraid
1: So this is really is Deploy to production
2: This really was you know, yeah. And then wh- if teams accumulated A bunch of bugs or debt or whatever And chose to work that way They'd have to spend several sprints Burning that down Before they were ready to deploy Sure And so They were self-installed Incented to, to mix the bug fixing and quality work sure. with the development work because nobody wants to you know spend months just fixing bugs no, but plus right.
1: if you're at every three weeks you take smaller bytes and many features take longer than that so you're deploying this switched off feature that's for a right. long time so you're integrating you know arguably the hardest part of coding the integration piece that's routine that that's happens right. every three weeks no matter what
2: that's right whether yeah.
1: visible or not that's right turning something on is different story time i have a strong background in the it and performance side of things and you know we liked feature flags because we would put it into a silent mode to watch the load that a new feature Mm -hmm. exerted because people were asking us well how much more gear do we need back when there wasn't cloud yeah and so being actually able to benchmark a feature and say okay well we now see the real world overhead of this so we can provision so that when you turn that new feature onto to the public it doesn't tip the place over that's Mm -hmm. right Although these right. days, you you know, cloud makes that a heck of a lot easier than it used cloud to be. Cloud
2: makes it easier, but the same analogy can be used for performance testing. Right. You know, you want to make sure your customers have a good experience and, mm-hmm. and you spend a lot of time simulating that, but, you know, actually going and putting that into production, you get the real thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have to figure it out. Right. But when, I got to think when you walk in the door of the operations guys and say, hey, We're going to be testing these features in production.
2: Just a sheer panic. They blow gaskets.
1: (laughs) "Ah," I saw what you did to the QA, guys. What are you going to do to me?
2: We don't tell them to do that. We don't tell them what we're doing.
0: We We don't know. We just do it. No,
2: and I think... Our operations team is a part of our discipline evolution. We moved them to be from a separate organization into our engineering organization.
1: So, same floor kind of thing? Same
2: floor, same engineering manager. So, my peers are engineering managers. One of them has a small operations team. Mm Mm-hmm. And over time, as our development team has grown, we have kept the operations team small, so that reflects a, a shifting of duties right. from operations into development. So that development creates the deployment scripts, mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. actually deploy their features. And so the operations team becomes leaner and meaner, and focused more on kind of monitoring and that you know making sure we're we know what's going on in production. But again, the development team is cleaning up the alerts. Sure,
1: the single best thing I ever did. For For an operations team Was put a dev In the firefighting group Yeah because that dev came out every time with uh, we don't have enough instrumentation. Yeah. We need to be able to see more. That's right. We need to do test transactions. I want a dashboard. I want to be able to hit a button. It runs an end and gives me a green or a red. That's right. Like those kinds of things that I don't know that the operations folks even knew to ask for. But.
2: And if they did, they'd ignore them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's just human nature. That's your problem. not. Yeah, yeah. But when it becomes my problem too, because I'm getting called in the middle of the night, right. I become, oh, okay. Well, and also when you run a cloud server, you can't really just attach a debugger into production no.
1: right? profilers not allowed yeah
2: right so we learned really quickly that the first thing we needed to do was collect as much data as we could right. and that was a Painful thing itself Because then we had So much data We didn't know What to do with it You you know You invariably get buried You can't get through it And we found that Forming our KPIs And uh, understanding those Designing what we wanted To measure That was actually Just as hard As designing a feature Sure Mm. Because we said Hey you
1: You know In some ways You can make a feature That people like That nobody asks for yeah, But your metrics of performance, you actually have to figure out what customers really care about. You right. just can't get away from it.
2: That's right. And, you know, I, I often tell the story of when we started, one of the first metrics we wanted was, is the service healthy? Right And then we had this whole What does right. that mean Conversation And so we started with You know Pinging the service And then that's You know like, What You know And then that was quick lived And then it became Command health Which seemed like a great thing But right. then what we found Is that when the Windows team Came on board With their 10,000 people In their account mm-hmm. The little five person account Might be having a bad day yeah. But we're seeing What all comes out in the wash Because they have 10,000 people And five is just a blip
1: The river is only Is an average of five feet deep That's <laughs> Right.
2: So we had to normalize the metric. And, you know, so the metrics evolved, you know, right. and still do for us to, you know, really understand are we measuring the right thing to say every customer is having a great experience right. on our service? Yeah. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to introduce a new concept called slow DevOps. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, not every app needs to get to market right away. (laughs) We don't sprint. We mosey. (laughs) We don't have action items. We have suggestions to start fixing to do some coding. (laughs) We don't have telemetry. We have, hey, Vern, can you see if Jed's asleep again? (laughs) Slow DevOps. Slow DevOps. It's actually time to give away a DevExpress D experience subscription to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. And check out their DevExtreme React grid, built from the ground up to fully support all the cool features that come with React, like the virtual DOM and state controllers like Redux. It supports master detail, sorting, grouping, paging, and editing, and you can check it out right now on GitHub. But learn more and download your free 30-day trial of DevExpress Universal at devexpress.com superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Sven Klaassen. Richard, Sven. Yeah. i oh, clap for you, sir. Yeah, Sven, you just won the D Experience subscription just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to sign up to win. And we also like to ask our guest, Lori, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Wow. Didn't see that one coming.
2: No, I really didn't see that coming.
0: Twin boys, I can think of a certain amount of chaos you could require.
1: (laughs) If I was buying for you, it might involve some drums (laughs) or fireworks. (laughs) Mom, can I have a flamethrower if I promise not to
2: use it in the house? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're into all the video games, of right? Of course, i yeah. sure I mean, that's their mm. They got the boys hooked on video games mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know Yeah? I don't know
1: VR headsets for the boys
2: Yeah, Couple those are of. pretty cool
1: But a great big box
0: of illicit fireworks? That'd be fun And <laughs>
1: those are the fireworks You can blow the whole house up with that
0: <laughs> and you know, you don't really need that many fireworks You'll blow up a house you,
1: you just go straight to that hot water tank Couple of alterations there that's You fire cool. that thing right out of the house Now I don't know why I know this This is that not was, a good
0: thing I once was a boy <laughs> I <laughs> have one brother, and he's about a year and a half older than me, and uh, we used to take delight in torturing our mother when we were young, just because, you know, she was the disciplinarian in the house. <laughs> and so... Uh,
2: that sounds familiar. Did you, yeah. you, did
0: you relate to this? Fireworks yeah. were involved. Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Sorry,
1: Mom. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, She calls downstairs after the big bang
2: (laughs) What's going on? You okay
1: down there? I'm fine Don't come down here Has anyone seen my eyebrows? (laughs) (laughs) Actually I'd let off a blast so big And I'd blow my eyebrows Most of the front of my hair off And I was stunned enough that I just went upstairs I didn't know (laughs) What was that? Nothing Have you seen your face? (laughs) I go to the bathroom like Okay something (laughs) You're like Boom. Uh, I I learned from a professional sometime later that experienced pyrotechnicians jump away when they drop things. Inexperienced, look where it went. That's a mistake. You shouldn't do that. Hey, where'd it go?
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, sorry, we have completely Yeah, <laughs> No, I just, you
1: know. Yeah. I'm just, Clearly I'm never meeting your boys. You're making me
2: appreciate my boys very much.
1: <laughs> 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 I haven't done any structural damage to the building yet. Not huh? yet. I'm yeah. I'm feeling genuinely <laughs> you know
2: feel like I was lucky for that. But. Yeah.
1: Behave
0: boys, treat
1: your <laughs> mom well. There you go. Yeah, we got to dive back into this cuz I think it's it's very interesting to me this sort of evolution. I, and I don't think we're done with the operation side because again, it's it's about the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. I got to think that was sort of the next step of do you know when folks are down, when they're unhappy before they call? That's right. Yeah. That is
2: our goal. Like we don't want customers to have the experience. We want to know it before mm. it happens. And we don't want them to have to then tell us. One of the things that we do is when we have incidents in production, we look at how long did it take us to detect it right. and whether or not we detected it from our automated System or Mm -hmm. whether it was Actually a a PSS call. Yeah exactly So those are some Key metrics we watch We look at trend lines We hold that uh, Monthly service review And Mm -hmm. go through that And Brian my boss He's the VP He goes through that With a fine tooth comb And it really instills A culture of You know Live site is the most Important thing Right You know having the Customers you know Who cares what you're Working on now If it's not the Customer's experience Mm. Now
1: Since all developers Own their features That are in the field That's their priority That is their priority
2: And it means some Sometimes things are unpredictable where you thought you were going to get something done that day or Mm -hmm. that sprint that didn't get done, but it's the right trade-off. You know, all hands should be on deck.
1: Mm. There's a management element to DevOps that I've certainly dealt with organizations where the staff are so afraid to fail, Mm. that the consequences of failure are high. Mm -hmm. And then often, you know, we end up tracing this back to, a VP, often with technical chops mm-hmm. who had bad experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, everything, never ever be down, never have a failure old to pain. the point where we exactly, it's old scars. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know if you ever ran into this particular issue or just giving people the confidence that they can experiment, that a successful sprint was fixing things that affected stuff in production, not just shipping features. That's
2: right. That is a really hard message to get across to the team. And there's a bunch of ways that we do that. You know, there are ways that we say, you know, we we share the metrics and we share how things have improved Mm -hmm. or how things Mm -hmm. are going in the right direction. Or we ask for Sprint Mail to say what are the improvements people are making and what the customer impact of those improvements are that include things like, you know, oh, I'm tweaking the performance of this and I'm making it better. That's Mm. awesome. So we we try to celebrate those things and maybe turn up the volume a little higher on that because it is... Doing the right
1: thing for the customer versus pushing out the new feature. That's right. That's
2: exactly right. That's
1: really interesting to me. And I think it's a challenge to do that too because on one hand, you could also look at it as I did not anticipate that I would need to spend time on this. So why did I do it in the first place? Yeah. In some respects, it's like when I was doing performance tuning as a contractor and I'm being brought in, like, hey, congratulations, you have a good problem. If nobody was using your app... It would work great. Yeah. Yeah. But now, you know, you built this feature six months ago and it's gotten more and more and more popular, more people talking about it, and now it's a problem because it's successful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I
2: think that's that's another kind of different culture for having a live site Mm -hmm. is you just can't be, you know, prevent everything. From ever happening Sure As much as we'd like to You know And and humans don't want to fail no. You know But it's still It's like Things are going to happen And what you end up doing Is saying The best thing is to figure out How quickly we can react Right You know How can we find it Before customer experiences right. And how quickly Can we turn around and react Becomes way more important Than prevention Of it never happening Sure It's not important and in easier. life anyway Yeah I yeah. mean
0: seriously When yeah. you think bad things happen to you I mean what It's what, only 10% what happens to you
1: what you do about it What are you going to do about it That's the
0: next question Yeah Yeah
1: so, that, I guess that would be the one you celebrate the most is we found a problem in production and fixed it before the customer That's ever right, saw it. Yeah. That's right. And That's a huge, a huge, win. huge win. That's yep. really interesting.
2: And I think, you know, when we do have issues, we do share stories of customers that are unhappy, mm-hmm. you know, and stability is a feature, you yeah. know, and yeah. here's customer and here's their experience and, and we beat ourselves up about it, you know, yeah. so that it keeps that very fresh.
1: And I feel like we've mostly talked about VSTS here. And that's a SaaS product. So, you know, you have that people are using in real time, live all the time, round the clock. When it comes to something like a Shrimp Crack app, Mm -hmm. I mean, can you get to that same sort of feel?
2: I think it's really different. You know, Mm -hmm. the thing is, is we ship TFS also, and that is part of the same code. I mean, it's the same code base, on-prem and in the cloud. And so, our strategy is to get it right in the cloud and be more aggressive in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And then we have to do all the different configuration testing and all the customizations that customers can do with their environments and then get that all right, and then we can ship it on prem. And so
1: then you have to convince them to actually install it. Then
2: we have, they have to upgrade and you know, and we've <laughs> got to keep begging them to upgrade because they're missing out. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that's why there's this delay between what we ship in the cloud and what we ship on prem is sure. because we are doing a little bit of that testing and production in the cloud. Right. And we're also, you know, there's this additional prevention, it's expensive to react to an on-prem failure. Yeah, like, time. I have to submit a, a bug fix that you have to...
1: To get that product into shape to run on everybody else's hardware and everybody else's That's right. mm-hmm. And You run essentially one version of VSTS. Right. It's on your gear.
2: That's right. It's all under our control. Right. And we can, you know, we can add more machines to it if we need to. And, well, you know, it's like... You can have
1: TFS down Because DNS is down
2: That's right Right
1: Like it's not even the app It's not your software The customer's got a problem And it's a different problem That's right And if it happened to be Right after
0: they updated TFS
2: Yeah Then I think it's us Yeah
0: Have you ever seen A bug That got through So many Sentries And firewalls And tests (laughs) And all this stuff And you come Stand around And you look at it You're like Now how the heck Did we miss that
2: Yeah That's happened a lot In fact We've had Like maybe an update And said Oh, we have to re release the update and the on prem product. And Mm -hmm. it's like, how did we not get that? You know, and, and we do, we like to beat ourselves up about it and we like to just go, what did we do and how could we prevent that? We take that same thing when we have issues on the service as well. Mm. It's just, feels a lot less painful because you can fix it so much faster. It can be minutes. Yeah, that's right. To get it done with. Yeah, that's right.
1: Just getting through the, Process of making a version That other people can download
2: That's right I mean, I've,
1: I've worked Not that I've done work From On Microsoft products But yeah. I know people who have It's like You understand I have this fix done now mm. But there are miles to go Before it's a downloadable You know That's Cumulative right. update
2: That's right And then And then it's there But you, People haven't installed it You yeah. gotta talk yeah. people Into doing we that have,
0: I just realized We have a broken process When it comes to podcasts And how we release them mm-hmm. And that is That there isn't I don't think a way. Let me describe the problem. It's exactly what I was talking about. You know, we have a show that we edit and, you know, the QA people listen to it and, you know, the editor listens twice and and then it gets shipped out and then, you know, somebody swears or, you know, there's a big gap in a space or something that we missed and somebody tweets it and say, hey, this is really strange. What are you? You guys dropped into some sort of meta conversation here you know, how did that happen? (laughs) So we redo it. And then we republish it. But that just means anybody who hasn't already downloaded it gets the new version. Right. There isn't a mechanism in the podcast aggregators that says, oh, that's a different version. I'm going to re-download that. Some of them are smart enough to do that, but not everybody. So essentially, hits the RSS feed, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000, whatever people download it all at the same time. And now they've got that. Yeah.
2: You need, like, package management for Yeah, yeah it's
0: just a simple query of an RSS feed to see, oh, let's see, maybe the date changed or maybe the, the bytes changed or the size or whatever.
2: Yeah. Something Download like it that. again.
0: We just
1: had a scenario this year. We published the wrong show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And so we pulled it and replaced it with the right show, but so many people had downloaded the wrong show already. Yeah. And then the wrong show became the right show a couple of weeks later. And people were like, didn't we already hear didn't this? Did we show? just hear this? <laughs> oh no. I know. So it's,
2: it's a good problem to have. You uh, know, people are listening. Yes.
1: Yeah, for better or worse, right? It's just like, you know, when people are complaining, it's because they're using your product. That's but right. it's
2: almost
0: analogous to the people you wish would just upgrade. And yeah. because you're leaving it on them to figure out that they need to upgrade. They'll whereas, be you know, yeah. everything that's just deployed on, online is just you hit refresh
1: and it's there. Yeah. Well, and I remember the reason those shows got shuffled is we were trying to time something for right. someone to – and then it, it just impacted everything, you know? <laughs> it's like, and you beat yourself up about
0: it. Yeah, right? like you're that's right. It's just human it. nature. But in this case, the process needs to change. Like the protocol, this yes. something that's obviously, admittedly, beyond our control has to change. But that's what it is. A better mechanism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely interesting process. Making podcasts more software as a
1: service. Mm. I think well, might well. That's right. Mechanism.
2: That's what I was saying. Package management. You know, you get yeah. a feed, right. and here's the feed. I subscribe to it, and the feed's always up to date. Mm-hmm. And when I'm go to listen to it, it goes and It'd checks and says, Do I have the latest.
1: So how much does your team talk to other teams or work with other teams in the DevOps workflows to just sort of propagate that around the organization?
2: I think we are the first party engineering system sure. for the company. Right. And with that comes a lot of not just dumping a bunch of tools on people but going right. and saying, you have to change how you work. Yeah, And that means these things, you know, that means let's start with your schedule yeah, and there's... let's start with your VPs not freaking out and needing to plan <laughs> a whole year three up yep. front. It's hard because I can't go and tell... Executive vice presidents across Microsoft, how to run their business. You know, (laughs) well, you (laughs) can try. I probably wouldn't have this job for long. Uh, So, uh, but there's a way, and also people don't really want to hear so much that, well, that team's really good. You know, like they kind of more. So we've taken an approach which we've also published out on VisualStudio.com, which is here's what we did, and here's what we learned. You know, which is also the mistakes that we made.
1: That's what learnings look like. Like, and right? people
2: will listen to that, not yeah. feel like, oh, well, they know everything, you know, right. and I don't want to, I don't want to feel bad about myself or, you know, I can't believe it, right?
1: Yeah. That's, and these are not small changes you've described, Lauren. Yes. You like, walk through real team changes and, and real, you know, people deciding to do careers differently afterwards. Yep. Like,
2: That's right. It's not a little thing, right? That's right. So,
1: don't come in casually. I That's mean, I think right. It's got to be a lot of empathy. For the stress that it puts on folks To take something they've done for many years And said, well, we're going to try this different way And I yeah. think
2: the best advice I can give Is to just do it Incrementally, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few things Like the scheduler, like the accountability That really is hard to do piecemeal Yeah But All of these practices, like we were talking earlier, it's like, it's everything. DevOps is everything a developer needs to do Mm -hmm. from idea to production and back. You know, it's overwhelming to change all of it. So it's like, just pick the point where it's most painful for you, get that right, and then take the next chunk. You know, we didn't start out with all that telemetry I was talking about, Mm -hmm. but it became quickly the biggest problem that we had Mm -hmm. was let's make sure our service is up.
1: Getting in a place where you can notify a developer that their feature is causing problems Production. That's right. Represents a lot of Pieces. That's right. Hey (laughs) Vern That's
2: right. You (laughs) wait. Yeah and now you know because we started With TFS that source base And then made it into VSTS, now we're sitting here trying to break it apart into microservices. Mm -hmm. So you could say, you know, we do all these DevOps practices, and, you know, we probably have 40 microservices now, but we still have a large monolith that we're still trying to break pieces off. It's a journey. It takes, you can't just go, it's continual improvement and continual investment in how your teams work.
1: Will there be a point where there's no monolith left? It's an interesting question. Like at one point, you look at the last remaining model and go, "Actually, it's just a service. It's fine. It's yeah, it's just a service. It's yeah. as small as that needs That's to right. be.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think we're pretty practical about that. Mm-hmm. You know, because we doing those sorts of investments are great for the health of the code base, but you have to balance that with the new functionality sure. you give customers. Mm, you know, yeah. it's a trade off. There's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not unlimited. You have to keep keep making customer value while yeah. you're investing in these other things. And certainly yeah.
1: staying on trend with what." modern developers need from the tools too because there's a lot of players in this space they're all moving so that's right you know you're looking at a lot of different pieces at once that's
2: right it's exciting though there's a lot of innovation and people trying things out and sharing and and learning and and then you know it's i keep asking okay how can we how can we get tools to help with that sure yeah
1: i had a conversation with donovan brown on a video i think it was one of the devin videos Mm -hmm. and we talked about the right time to throw a party (laughs) <laughs> for your team.
2: Oh, that sucks now.
1: It's hard, isn't it? It is.
2: I mean, we used to have that two year, it was a big milestone, big party. Yeah, right. Maybe have a day or two off. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we were exhausted running up to that, and right. now it's like, They say sprints for a reason. (laughs) I feel like I'm sprinting all the time. I'm exhausted.
0: (laughs) Y'all just got to simmer down now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A little little slow DevOps and you'll feel better. (laughs) Uh, I do like the idea that everybody celebrates together, that the the metric has got to be something in, in the customer satisfaction realm. Yeah. Where you know that it's the code that was written and tested and put in the field and instrumented and shown to be valuable yeah. you know, and evolved and you know represents a new level of success. And it's yeah. customer metrics that are the point where you can go, we all need to go take a, have a beer and mm. congratulate each other.
2: That's right. When we have a certain number of engaged users and we hit milestones there, mm-hmm. those are points where we celebrate. And also events like this. Sure. We're here at Connect. It's like, right. wow, we just unveiled a bunch of customer value here. Right. And this is exciting And so let's take A little downtime.
0: And you're getting Great feedback too While you're here Oh sure. it's awesome yeah, From your
1: customers I but, know But I get the sense That you've, you've had A bunch of features Built for a while now That have been Feature flagged off Waiting for an event
2: Well that would be nice If it always worked that way <laughs> <laughs> In the idea So I'd say Of what you saw here Half of them Were like that Right
1: mm-hmm. And some of them are We're not quite ready To flip that one yeah, on Yeah the Azure <laughs> DevOps
2: project That Donovan demoed In Scott Guthrie's scheme you know, it was definitely coming in real, real hot. you're <laughs> we <were> like, it's <laughs> <remember> the, old, <laughs> the
1: old PDCs, like 2000. Oh yeah, that's like right. That, yeah. Where there was a period where it's like, if you didn't make that deadline, there's not another PDC for a year. Yeah. Mm. And so you could really lose your mind trying to deliver mm. to these big event milestones. That's right. You're always putting new features out so that you almost can roll up a bundle of them and say, here, let's talk about these for this yeah. event. So that's there, right. There's always a story to tell.
2: Yeah, and we we feel comfortable talking about things that are on the near-term horizon that are going to deploy in three weeks or six weeks.
1: Because they've actually been worked on for quite a while. Yeah, we
2: can demo them and they might not be, it's not ideal, we want it all to be available. But if it's not, we can still talk about them as long as it's, you know, because it's not six months away.
0: So what's interesting is you can zoom out and you can see these milestones that are culminations of roles of features, as Richard said, and have a party. But it's just so anticlimactic because... What's the thing that just, okay, yeah, we're at that milestone yet. It's like one test.
2: You know.
0: It's <laughs> like you know, one deployment it's like, okay, yeah. I guess we can have a party now. Yeah. It's not like,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's right. It is, it less, is, dramatic.
0: Uh,
1: it is
2: right. less dramatic. It is less dramatic.
1: Which maybe is probably actually a good thing.
2: One of the challenges in my job is I wanna instill energy in sure. the team and make them proud and feel good. And that comes naturally when you do a big release. Big yeah. Um and it can feel forced if it's not, you know, sure. like you don't wanna be you know, not authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. No, I so it's, yeah, it's an interesting balancing act there. Yeah. To, to, humans do thrive on a certain amount of drama. Yes, they do. Not too much. Yes, you can't be in the crashing surf every
0: day. That's right. I guess what you could do is to do it the opposite way. You schedule a party every quarter, right? <laughs> and whatever is done at that quarter, that's your milestone. I, hey! I think you
2: guys are a little over focused on the parties. I'm getting, <laughs> getting a feeling here. Only after fireworks. This <laughs> really important to you guys
1: (laughs) well we do have a lot of fun
0: (laughs) yeah well what's next for you
2: Uh, We just finished our planning period and we're focused on a bunch of really exciting scenarios for build Mm. around how to make social coding and sharing across organizations Uh, and the reuse of open source. And so we've got a whole bunch of new things coming out there and giving people analytics into their own DevOps processes and how to you know delve into that. So I'm excited to kind of uh, get back and see how those things are shaping up, make sure we have some great designs, start iterating with some early customers on it.
0: What's your favorite Thanksgiving recipe?
2: Oh, okay. Well, I love the cornbread stuffing, you know, with, uh, you know, kind of traditional walnuts, apples, celery, onions, you know, sage. Nice. Yeah. Sausage? No sausage. No sausage? I haven't done the sausage. It's hard... Uh, so I always I'm a cook I love cooking And uh, I love to experiment With all these Different stuffings But you can't do that For Thanksgiving Yeah it's a wrong important. time
1: Wrong time Yeah, yeah I It's I guess too important. important Use the cooking method You trust yeah. Use yeah. a, the recipes you trust Well
2: and you disappoint people They're like I love right. the You know yeah, You can
1: you, experiment On turkey at <laughs> Yeah, I love yeah, stuffing like,
0: What is this
2: <laughs> Exactly <laughs> <laughs> Too much at stake
0: all right, well, thanks, Lori. It's been great. great talking to you. Thanks for having me. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios Now go write some code. See you next time.